Welcome to episode 93 of the Switch Mania Play The Vroom Vroom episode. Where we may or may not have gotten to play with a wheel. <laughs> vroom 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 Vroom. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's been a been a been a crazy uh crazy month, guys. We actually have JP here, so that's He's I back. have right now. It's all because Barry lectured him and said, "Hey, we have the steering wheel to test. You have, you have to be on." How? I I can't wait to share that story because it's literally three different points of views. So I'm glad I'm on this one because mine is vastly different from yours. <laughs> yes, and it is insanity. It is insanity. <laughs> um, but I think first we should talk about series two from Premium Edition closing mm-hmm. and the madness, the craziness. We can give updates, and we got a lot of little things to talk about, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right, because the last episode, pre-orders were still open for a few more hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, now it's going to be, yeah, tomorrow's going to, tomorrow, Thursday, is going to be a week since we closed at 11.59. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's insane because, you know, I, everybody was still up, all three of us were up, and we're watching it. And to me... The pre-orders felt like watching the end of an eBay auction, right? You're you're yeah. you're waiting. You know exactly when it's going to end, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to get in at the last second, and then that like 99 cent auction jumps up to like $200 in the span of you know five seconds, and that's that's what it felt like because you know by the time we were closing, there were so many people that we could see the number of people on the site, and we saw the pre-orders still coming in, and all I'm thinking about, and I'm, I'm texting Barry, I'm just like. Who who waits to the last minute on a pre-order? Like to me, I I couldn't do that. I'm a I'm a you know yeah. first minute kind of guy. I get it in and then I and then towards the end I always get paranoid and I check my account to make sure I actually pre-ordered it. But I was surprised. I really was surprised at how many people were there at 11:59. And you know Barry will go into it and Jeff too. But there it didn't end there. You know what I mean? Like it didn't end at 11:59 and it was crazy watching it. But it was so much fun too. Yeah, and like. JP says that we were all up. No, I was passed out. And <laughs> you I, set back my, up? I set my alarm yeah. at midnight and then I just went off and, and changed it to turn off the pre-orders, which I had to do per um, per tier. And it was just funny because they were sitting there texting and it was actually like I was on my phone turning them off and it kept popping up <laughs> to where I couldn't turn it off. So you all had an extra minute because Barry and JP kept messing each other. And I was so tired. I didn't, I didn't even read what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was certainly exciting just watching the amount of orders coming in and, and I'm with JP. Like when, when other companies do pre-orders, you know, that first minute, you know, I'm there or at least that first day I get it get it so I don't have to worry about it and then it's like out of sight out of mind and next thing I know it shows up on my door eight years later and I'm like oh I totally <laughs> forgot to pre-order this um but yeah it was it was crazy that so many people brought down to the wire to the point that even after it closed we got emails mm-hmm. and, and I, I stayed up I actually stayed up till one o'clock eastern I'm like you know I'm gonna stay up a little bit extra late tonight because I have a feeling we were gonna get emails and I wanted to field everybody that I could and make sure that no one felt, you know, ignored. And I feel so bad for those that did email us and I, you know, unfortunately it's closed. And, uh, you know, we, we gave everybody, you know, a month and all I'll tell the, everybody listening. And I, as I told them is that if we have any in hand and that's an if, if we have any left in hand, 
they will go up on the site when we do have them in hand. So it won't be a pre-order and then we'll ship out. So um, that's certainly uh, an option. And, and if we do have any in hand, I hope you don't sleep on it because Robot Name Fight and Demon Seer Plus are both fantastic games. And uh, you, know, you don't want to miss them. As uh, JP was saying in one of our chats, Bear's cold-blooded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Well, you're the one who turned it off. I didn't turn it off, but... But you know that that's it. That's turned it. off at midnight. I'm just saying. I Barry actually told said, Barry said he was going to beat me if I didn't do it. So. No, no. I told him he should leave it up for a little extra time to try and help those people. But as I was saying, that they started getting turned off. I was I was half asleep, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, now, in reality, like I if I could have fallen asleep and just you know did it when I woke up in the morning and give people a couple hours. So. Maybe we'll do that next time. Who knows? Yeah. I will say I I, I did feel bad. I I you know I gotta say after we turned it off the first thing I was I thought I was like we should have just let it go to like five a.m. No no, no, no. Just JP, let... remember we're we're not gonna do it next time okay this no? way people get their orders in wink wink <laughs> nudge nudge we're not gonna yeah. do it. <laughs> I will say I I think the ones that I felt bad the most were the ones that didn't realize we were Eastern time which it happens I mean there's people all over the world <laughs> buying you know our games. And this person was on Pacific time, so they thought they still had like three hours. And I felt bad. I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm like, "I get that. That that definitely can happen." But then, um, yeah, then you know, and, even and like then you thought, "How many hours are in a month?" All right, yeah. you waited literally <laughs> to the two. Yeah, yeah. I would have felt Less bad if it was one of those things where it went up at you know midnight our time and it was sold out within a minute, and it was like, "Oh, you thought it was going to be uh-huh, you know yeah. midnight." Pacific and it's midnight Eastern. I'm sorry, that sucks. But when you have an entire month, to pre- I don't feel bad. I will say, I, if I have to say, I think that shows the ruthlessness of this group has to be the mother who was like, my son saved up. We just learned about your company. I think he wanted Demon's Tear. And we were like, pre-orders are closed. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm just picturing my son waiting in line, learning about this game. And he's just like a minute too late. But Well, you know what? There'll, there'll be opportunities, hopefully, maybe, who knows, when we have them in hand. If not, there's you know other distributors that might get them. So I, yeah. I don't think I don't think the kid is going to be a miss out. If they really want it, you know. We'll see what we can do for the kid. All right, sounds good. So if that mother's listening, stay tuned. Your mother. No. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I mean, like every day, I mean, I see the emails, I see the the messages coming through. You know, and, and what's happening also is a lot of people are still learning about this, and it happens because people are sharing. That they're getting in their series mm-hmm. one, they're they're somehow finding out that robot name fight and Demon Seer got a physical, <laughs> and you know for those people, hopefully they follow us now, they sign up on on social media, all the channels we're on, our email blast. I mean, we one thing that we're very good at is keeping everybody informed of everything. We do our best to be as transparent. So, you know, when the time comes, if there are going to be copies available, people will know. Um, but you need to be following us and and listening to us, and that's how you stay in the loop. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you. if I proved anything, when I went to SEG, <clears throat> excuse me, had to cough. Um, <clears throat> but when I went to SEG, there were a lot of people that didn't realize Super Blood Hockey got a physical. Yep. And yep. they all bought it, and they're like, oh my god, I've been waiting for this to get a physical. So no yep. matter what, we need more and more eyeballs on what we're doing, and as people find us, they're going to be excited. And with Series 3, you're not going to want to miss them. <laughs> That's what no. I would say. Like if, if you missed us at series one and you missed us at series two, you're not gonna want to miss us at series three. Fortunately, there's still uh, ground level buying because we're not sold out on anything yet. Um, right. We're very low on super blood hockey though. Yeah, that I mean that 
that's going. I mean, every day we're selling a few more, a few more. I mean, it's the numbers low. I mean, that one, it's mm-hmm. it's not a matter of if, it's just when. Um, well, and based yeah. on how many there are, it's only going to take a few more conventions because oh, yeah. I did a couple cases at SCGE and those were gone. And I'm yeah. taking a couple more cases to this weekend um, when I go to Austin, Texas. So, um, yeah, it's like, we'll see. Like how many we have because we got a couple big. We I mean we have too many games coming up. Mm-hmm. We like if we're not and we should have series two by then. No problem by October. Um, yeah. So like we that should be a wild convention, especially because we're right with all the like our spot at too many games is going to be wild. And it's all three of us. That's yeah, going to be yeah. a crazy booth. The first time ever. Yeah. Yeah. First time ever. All three of us will be there. So if you're a fan of the Playcast. And you can get mm-hmm. to too many games in October. You know, that's we'll going to be a, a live fun recording somewhere. If they allow us to do a panel, we'll do a live panel. If they don't, then we'll find a place to live record later. Yep. We are coming from Jeff's car. <laughs> oh, no, we'll have a, we got a suite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, true. That's awesome. Premium edition suite. <laughs> After party. Yeah. Oh, just don't invite video games monthly. Oh, no. <laughs> I still remember... The, the convention that, Jeff, your flight had gotten delayed and then canceled, they were supposed to do the panel with me. They were like, yeah, you know, we'll jump on also. We'll talk about retro hey, games. And they partied a little too hard and never showed up. Uh, so One of them was with you because I tried to um, that, do yes. it via the one Skype that, and my internet was terrible in Texas. So. Yes. He, he, uh, he, he filled in. Yeah, Grant was with you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Grant is the one who drinks a lot, so that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was the irony too. He's the one who showed up. Yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, they were uh, in at SCGE. They were in full effect. I don't know. Did I tell the story last week about video games monthly on the playcast, Barry? I don't. I don't remember if you told it. Oh, oh my god. Okay, let's but... let's tell you now that JP's here too. <laughs> so, um, Friday the convention starts on Saturday, right? Friday's there. Um, 8-Bit Steve, you know, helped create the Pigeon Dev Games Collection guide that's, uh, you know, going to be shipping very soon, and we could talk about that after the story. Um, he was there, and first time that he's at a convention, I think it might have been his first big gaming convention. Um, but anyways, Friday we go, um, you know, out and set up at the convention early, because you set up the day prior, so I got everything out of the table, uh, ready to go, and, um, I know, like, it's one thing y'all will realize is I know like everybody at the conventions and mm-hmm. this one is a big YouTuber convention. So there's a lot of different creators there, video creators, content creators over there. Um, and I know them all and it'll be the same with too many games. Um, whereas this weekend in Austin isn't as much of a YouTube convention as, as this one was. But anyways, um, I saw 8-Bit Eric and Jay from the Game Chasers and they're like, hey, we're going out to this bar afterward. Um, Video Games Monthly comes by. They give me a handshake with a Jack Daniel shot in their hand. <laughs> oh, no, wait, no, belay that fireball shot in their hand. <laughs> and he's, he's like, yeah, I always, I always give alcohol in my hand. Um, but anyways, we end up going to a... Um, a, this like barbecue bar is like called local Q with barbecue and stuff and they had gluten-free stuff for me which was cool because I can't eat bread and so we're over there hanging out drinking um, I had ciders because I can't eat bread um, and anyways afterward we're like hey let's go back to video games monthly you know they're crazy and they're like hey we have buckets and buckets of shots 
<laughs> like, let's go back and hang out. And and this was it was still like seven, six o'clock, seven o'clock, light, light out early. Um, and while we were at local Q, uh, we look over at the bar and like, hey, we know this guy. And um, Jay and Apid Eric said, we know this guy. It was the creator of Echo the Dolphin. That's awesome. And he did X-Men, did Shikan the Forever Man, and a bunch of stuff. And so he came over. He remembered them from 2019. Um, <laughs> then he came back to the room uh, with us over at the Hilton, and which was not my hotel, right? Not my <laughs> hotel. And we were at a different hotel that Steve uh, ended up coordinating with a friend of his that was coming out from Atlanta. But anyways, we went to the Hilton, which was like the convention hotel. We're over at the, I think somehow Video Games Monthly got upgraded to the penthouse suite. I don't know how they do that, but they did. Um, (laughs) Sounds about right. And um, we were around there playing uh, crazy Backstreet Boys style music, of course, (laughs) because it's Video Games Monthly. And um, if you know anything about Jay from the Game Chasers, he likes to goad and talk smack to people. Um, and so it's interesting because Jay was sitting there goading 8-Bit Steve, who's a known speedrunner, mm-hmm. into stories on how Billy Mitchell and Todd Rogers are not cheaters in the speedrun <laughs> in the gaming community. So, and, and Steve's starting to get heated, and he's doing these shots, and he's not paying attention. And while Jay is goading them into this and doing shots, they're bringing constantly bringing rounds and rounds of shots. To him and the creator of Echo. Um, Anyways, it got to the point where um, Ed, you know, the creator of Echo the Dolphin, could not even speak anymore. He was, Mm -hmm. like, out of it. And he hadn't drank since before COVID. So he's just, like, out of it. I did my classic thing where I take a couple of them, but I didn't overdo it because I'm, you know, I know how Video Games Monthly does it. Um, Mm -hmm. Steve, though, I didn't even realize. So we went, and Jay and I went and made sure that the creator of Echo the Delvin made it back to his room safely. And it's like not even 8 p.m. at this point. Um, and uh, then I go back, and Steve's in the hallway, passed out. Oh, my God. Puking. In the hallway. And there's, like, oh people with their kids and stuff. It's like 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so we pull him into Jay and Ape at Eric's room, and he's over there convulsing all over, like, going, going crazy stuff. Um, anyways, like, he didn't realize that, you know, Jay's, Jay's a different beast. Don't, don't go toe-to-toe with him while he's trying to go to you into heated stories. But the next day, like, he's at his first major convention. He's, like, completely has a hangover. And we're sitting there, and I'm like, people are going crazy with games. It's a nonstop with premium at the convention. And he's, like, never at the table. So I, like, had to man the whole convention myself. Oh my god! <laughs> and then he left like at halfway halfway during the day. He's like, "Yeah, I gotta go back to the room." And then he didn't come out the rest of the time. And um, it was wild, though, man. It was crazy. Yeah, um, I will say with uh, with Video Games Monthly, you know, I've known them since 2015 and gone to a few conventions with them. Their motto is they work hard. You know, during their normal work schedule, the conventions are where they party hard. And they never go easy there. I mean, I've ha- I've seen videos that I probably won't share on here. There'll be convention stories that we can share, but they go crazy. So well, and I'm doing the PG, the easy version yep. of the story. Yep. Like I'm a, some of the stuff we don't go into, which is funny because there was a too many games um, new Facebook group that was created <clears throat> for like all the convention goers, 
And there was one where Epic Game Music from YouTube, who plays all of the different video game covers, and he's playing in the same band as James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, at Too Many Games this year. He told a story where that I was rooming with Square Painter, who does pixel paintings, mm-hmm. um, who I shared a booth with that year. And James was there, too. And, and, you know, Epic Game Music was there. And we look over while we're, like, all we've all been drinking, and he's, like, peeing in the fridge. Oh my gosh. We're like, what are you doing? And then afterward, he comes and crawls in. I have a little ass air mattress because. And he comes and crawls in with me on my air mattress. <laughs> Two big dudes. <laughs> I'm like, what are you? He's bigger than, way bigger than me. He's a, he's a tall guy. <laughs> and I was like, here we go. And I started calling him Pissridge for the longest time. And he told the story on Facebook. So if people tell the story. Um, that being said, though, and this is one for both JP and Barry, um, you have to do all of the things at conventions. So conventions are not a time that, well, oh, I've been on my feet all day. I'm going to go eat dinner and then go back to my room. Like, no, the after parties happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I closed out a bar on Saturday at SEGE, and I didn't drink because I drank too much with the audience month of the day prior. Um, I was drinking water, just hanging out, and I was with the, the guy who runs the convention, who ends up um, doing some other stuff in, in games. So that might be a good, you know, somebody to talk to for us later. But um, also like hanging out with, you know, John Riggs and... Um, a couple other you know, people that um, they keep on telling me JP's sending them our Switch games for review. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, JP sent me, a, sent me these games. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and, I mean, they have huge followings, and it's cool. Um, and then there are other people that I chat with that I know, and I'm like, oh, hey, J-Love. Uh, she, she didn't realize that um, I got into Switch uh, publishing, and I was like, yeah, here they are. And if you do an unboxing and stuff, you get a patch. And going over all our stuff and it's super cool. And so I did a pitch that's going to go on to her channel and stuff too. So, But that's how you make the con- connections and stuff at the conventions. Like if you do that, if you just sit there, do the 9 or 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., like it'll be cool. Um, but in order to truly have fun, just like what JP was saying about Video Games Monthly, you got to play hard. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to go and get completely blackout struck by going head to head with Jay the Game Chasers. That's not what I'm saying. It's just just go hang out and be social. And right, I mean, they did, yeah. And so that that'll be the the one big recommendation for convention goers is like go do all the things. Too many games are gonna have an after party, and I mean I'll definitely be able to get us all into it. And then like that, that's where I have my pictures where I'm drinking with, you know, James saying really game nerd and hanging out and like we're just shooting shit about stuff. Um, that type of thing. And then you're watching other people doing crazy ass drunk karaoke and it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm not doing that, but it's hilarious with others. And um, you know, I'm just sitting there talking with a lot of friends and you know, making new friends and that's how I met Dan from <laughs> console wars you know does all our videos like well i met you at a video game con yeah i met yeah. him in a video game con too yeah that's true and i was there on be with video games monthly and then that's i think when they were talking about possibly getting one of like your pocket sizes or like a preview version of it in one of their boxes and that's how we initially met so yeah i mean conventions are great and now that they're back they're coming back in full swing it's also such a great place to reconnect with people that you really haven't mm-hmm. seen in a few years Potentially. 
Yeah, it's true. And uh, Video Games Monthly definitely wants me to still do that crappy LJN's NES yep. manual size insert, <laughs> um, which you might have to do one one month with them. That would be pretty fun. Do a premium edition games version or something so we can just mm -hmm. talk about our stuff. Um, that would be fun. Um, something. I don't know. Um, thinking along the lines of a way to promote our releases, too, within it. That'd be cool. But yeah, so conventions are fun. Um, I'm definitely going to Classic Game Fest in Austin, Texas this weekend. Paul Niemeyer, our artist for all the slipcases, is going to be there. Um, and he's going to be like a couple booths away from me. So I'm literally going to... You have an opportunity, any any of the listeners, if you're within the Texas area, you're going to have the opportunity to like get one of our games and have Paul sign it. Or bring in your games and have Paul sign it. Um, which is awesome. To, it's an opportunity to have the actual artist sign That's your awesome. stuff. Oh, which yeah. is crazy. And then Paul's fun for parties. He's <laughs> That's how I met him. How I got to know him was in um, Game On in Arizona. And we were at an after party at a barcade. And just hanging out and drinking with him. And Daniel, Master Daniel Piscina who played Raiden. Or not Raiden. He played Johnny Cage and Scorpion. His brother played... Um, Carlos mm -hmm. Piscina played right. <laughs> um, I haven't met Carlos actually, but anyways, um, yeah. So conventions are wild. They're great. Um, I can only do a few a year, uh, just because it it takes. It's not that it takes so much time. It's that it pulls me away from creating stuff, and so I can only do like I think I'm only doing like five this year, maybe. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a, a great time for sure for us. Uh, when too many games would be the best, just because we all get to link up. Um, I'm forward to that. Yeah, and then I think you guys are going to try to make it to Retro World Expo, which will be great. Um, yeah. I wish I could go to that one, but I'm committed to Midwest Gaming Classic at the same weekend, which is like, really? <laughs> I know, that's that's that stinks, because they're both really fun conventions. There's four in Texas this weekend. Oh four. My God. And Everyone's like, trying to cram it in there. That's the thing. Well, and and one of them is in Houston, and it's the game Jay from the Game Chasers is running it. And like, I would be in, I'm invited there, but I committed to you know the the um, Dave who runs Classic Game Fest from 2019. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, I'm already committed to the convention. So I'm like, well, I gave him my word that I'd be there. So you know, yeah. I'll you bet be there. Texas isn't a small state. You could hit them all, but it's. it's no. No, it's Big. four. I think it's four hours between Austin and Houston, or six hours. Some ridiculous. It's it's pretty far. It might be six hours from where I used to live, but it's far enough to where it's not convenient. And it's I'm sitting it was there. Delaware or something. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is like you could do that if you were attending, but not setting up and you know selling games at a convention. That's you can't do that in multiple places. Okay. That's not feasible. Not even if they're in the same town. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be really cool to see how people take to to premium edition. Um, some of the bigger conventions we might just attend just to, you know, talk to other people. But yeah, so conventions. <laughs> Wait. Um, I did mention in that uh, series one. I don't know if you want to talk a little series one, JP. Yeah, sure. So the one question that I'm sure all three of us are seeing every day. We, and I, I see it a lot on, on social media, but we'll post a picture or we'll say like, hey, have you earned your challenge patches yet? Don't forget our steelbooks in the retro edition. We still have copies available. And the, the response that I see a lot, and it's I, you know, I'm sad that we're seeing it, is just like I would, but I pre-ordered the deluxe and I haven't gotten it yet. I'm still waiting on the deluxe. I hope there's patches available because I got the deluxe. Well, the yeah, good news yeah. is <laughs> we have an update on the deluxe. So 
in our Yay. last updates and you know through the playcast and and everywhere else we mentioned that the items were a port so they were in the u.s just sitting there there's this big backlog of just getting items off the the container ships and getting them scheduled to deliver wherever they needed to go so hours were just waiting and mm-hmm. trust me when i say there's no customer more impatient than me uh, because I hate waiting and knowing that they were so close really to our facility and, and we just couldn't do anything. It was hard. It was hard. And, but the good news is yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, we got an update that it's finally ready to ship. So Jeff, I don't know if you saw anything today. I haven't seen anything come through, but it's in the process now of getting scheduled uh, to ship to our facility. And yeah, he's good literally news- coordinating to pull yeah. it from the freighter yeah, so- and ship to Texas. Yeah, so once it's there, these were just the remaining items because you have to remember the CDs are ready to go. The retro editions we've been shipping out. So it's really just these few remaining pieces, which is the pins have been sitting there. The pins are there too. And the pins, yeah, the pins have been there, you know, sitting as well. So mm-hmm. once these deluxe items come, it's a matter of just unshrink wrapping it because they come shrink wrap, putting in the yeah, retro, my- the CD, the pin, putting it in the deluxe case, putting it back into the deluxe slip case, shrink wrapping it, and they're out the door. So right now we're just coordinating the arrival to our our facility, and then from there is just getting a more accurate time frame as to when all the packaging, which does not take long at all once it's queued up. So, yeah. you know, it's hard to still give a date right now. I'm hoping you know within the next week or so we're really going to have a good time frame. But yeah. I, I I I can't wait because it's finally at the point now where we can confidently say like, yeah, we're we're at that point of almost shipping. It's not you know, waiting in the dark anymore. So for everyone who, who's been patient, thank you. Your time is almost here. You'll be able to earn your patches and enjoy our games and see the see everything and, and the book. I mean, people still haven't really seen the premium guide and it's just, it's gorgeous. It's so full of information that you just don't get anywhere else. So it's definitely going to be worth the wait. Yep. And then series two, Mm-hmm. Um, literally just waiting on Nintendo to allow us to submit a wire transfer to them. And then in a couple weeks, those cartridges are coming in. Yep. Um, and all the other items are already created. I'm coordinating the, um, the getting a quote for the trading cards and those should be in production and arriving in a couple weeks. Like, and then I literally give all the other items to, um, our packaging facility and, Series two is done. Like, I mean, it, it could be like if I mean, it's we're really waiting on Nintendo, and every time we have to ask them anything, it takes like a week for them to get back to us. That's the only issue. Um, I started this months ago, so it's just been back and forth <laughs> before the pre orders. Um, but it's it, this is literally on them printing labels and things, it's nothing to do with the game, so um, it should be super simple at that point. All they have to do is accept our money. <laughs> Let us I, you. yeah um everything else is already submitted um submitted for their approval from the midnight society oh my god i was just thinking that as you nope. said <laughs> are you afraid um, of the dark yeah and then i know um erica actually got us the first uh draft of the steelbook so then we're gonna start that process and mm-hmm. so that process is already gonna start like now and that means that we should be and the retro boxes are already created so you're you're literally talking like both all retros and premiums should be ready to go way faster than series one. Um, strategy guide, another story. Um, <laughs> I am still working. I have to reword everything, um, rework all the pieces. 
um, that one is is going to take some time. But we're also doing a series with um, Matt Bittner, who uh, created the game, doing a developer's journal that's going to go into the guide, uh, talking about his journey with creating it. And we started before the game on a precursor game that was in Flash and things like that. And so all of that's going to be captured in the book. So it's a whole historical piece based on his game. Instead of a simple interview, we're doing a developer's journal. And so I think that'll be a much cooler aspect than just a simple interview. And then we do the creation of the physical. And um, But like once I finish the guide, finish everything have it all done, it's going to take six to eight weeks. Um, and the six to eight weeks is like what we're doing now with all the um, the shipping and stuff. It took longer this time because of the port issue. Um, so, like, we, the deluxe is going to take time again. But um, that being said, uh, when it comes to a future series, like, we may or may not be doing um, the same type just so we can streamline things. But we'll see. We have ideas. We haven't really conceptualized or not. Con- we've conceptualized. We haven't solidified anything. So, All right. but tier two is gonna move fast. Yeah, I, I will say for anybody who's who loved our um, our retro TV steel book, you know, I was saying this in our like internal group chat. But Erica, I didn't think she could outdo herself because that that retro TV is honestly one of my favorite steel books because it's not just you know a printed image. It's actually it's it's so intricate and detailed and i'm like you know she set the bar so high at, that i could see her always at that top point of just what she does and then she just blew it away with what she showed us for robot and it's just unbelievable you know what we're doing with the steelbook as well um that i think it's just it it's another high quality sets the bar again for steelbooks and it's just crazy that it's it's part of our releases that's just the awesome part yeah and i mean Thanks to all the support from all the customers with the pre-orders, like we're 100% ordering everything immediately, which is awesome. Yep. And I mean, taking care of the developers and everything. So it's, it's great. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's our, uh, our crazy story through some convention talk in there. We got series one going, um, about to be fully shipped out. Series two is well underway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. People are asking us series three questions. <laughs> of course, That's... I am. I have not looked at series three. Um, number one, obsessed with Robot Name Fight, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, outside, before we get to the games of the episode, have either of you tried out Skyward Sword yet? No. No. Barry, I tried. Try no. Yet? No. There's too many other. Things I'm playing for me to tackle. I just wanted to start it up just to see if I enjoyed it much better than the Wii version. From what um, I heard, the it takes a little getting used to, but a lot of people really like both. So actually. unlike your second hand, from what I played, Barry. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, I played through a, a while. I played a, a couple sit downs, and I played it only in handheld mode. So I played it with the you know controller, and it's it's flawless honestly it plays so much better with the with the controls the only thing that you really have to get used to is the camera having to press a button um instead of just using the right stick to move the camera you have to hold down r um Mm. because the right stick does the sword um so that's the only weird part but you can also press 
or it was an R, it was L. It told L. Um, but doing L2 just swings it right behind you real quick, just like in other game. So that helps. Um, being able to have the stabby stabby with pressing in the right uh, control stick and the block with the shield with the left control stick so much easier. Um, now, one thing is a little bit of history. When I had the original Skyward Sword, I was never able to beat the first dungeon boss, Giram. Oh, I never. Pain. <laughs> and the first iteration, I never even got to the second form. Like he, he basically holds his hand up and like grabs your sword with his fingers and shit. And I can never hit him because it just wasn't working for me. I got so frustrated. Well, I definitely beat him like easily with the um with the new method and the new version. And it's so much more accurate for me. Um, I don't know if it was my TV setup, probably or something. I don't know, but um, either way, it's so much better. And now I've put it to the side because I got our games to focus on. Um, and I had to do art games of the episode and everything. And mm -hmm. before I started Zelda, I was working Hyper Light Drifter um, that I talked about on the previous playcast. So I put that aside so I could try up um, and start up Skyward Sword. So I need to get back and finish up Hyper Light Drifter before um, before I could continue um, Skyward Sword. Because Skyward mm -hmm. Sword is a, a bit of a beast. <laughs> That's well, why I haven't started it yet. Yeah, one thing I heard is that people who were against the motion controls on the Wii, they like it on the Switch. They say it's more responsive, which is really awesome to hear because you do get both. You know, you get the, your, the option to play how you want to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, my thing was is I wanted to play it without it just because it's a Zelda game. But um, you can absolutely play with it, and Joy-Cons work great. So it's awesome. It's amazing. Well, that's good to hear. So should we transition into our game of the episode vroom vroom yeah vroom. okay we could do the vroom vroom as, as jp calls it let's do the vroom vroom so the game of the episode is red out red out was released on may 14th 2019 it is uh, published by nicholas and or nicholas and and also physically and this was actually one of those games that was announced at the very beginning of the switch's life cycle went up for pre-order and then disappeared and almost became vaporware this is a futuristic racing game a la f-zero and and uh, wipeout and it is quite interesting so do we want to talk about the game first or the wheel or the game with the wheel so um let's do the game with the wheel because mm -hmm. of like so for me and um i mentioned in our group chat that there's a reason why I have is frustrated with the wheel. And it's not because of the wheel inherently, it's because of the game. Hmm. So why would I say that, though, is the question. So have you both played the game without the wheel? Yes. Okay, so how do you control the game, Barry? All right, so when I first played this, mm -hmm. I played it traditional, like I'm going to, you know, hold R RT to um, go. Mm -hmm. And I noticed... I was slamming the walls. I'm like, mm -hmm. why am I slamming the walls? So I'm trying to figure out the break, and the break is the left trigger, but I'm, I'm stopping very, like, like, I hit it, and I come to a stop, and I'm like, this feels really weird. But I was just running through time travel. So I started doing the campaign, and like, oh, use the right stick to strafe. <laughs> and when I started doing that, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I'm, I'm hitting these turns, and this is now fun because mm -hmm. I didn't realize at first this game has a life meter, and you crash too many times, you blow up. 
when yep. you start back up again, but it gets really frustrating when you're trying to beat times and, and beat other racers. But that strafe, that makes it break. So I don't know how that works with the wheel. And that's the thing. So strafing, and you get to pitch the vehicle. So when you hit like ramps and things, you have to, or loop-de-loops when you're doing the Sonic style circles, you have to like pitch it. So and now imagine this with a steering wheel that doesn't have that right stick. That's using the steering wheel with this game. We picked the worst game to test <laughs> with the steering wheel. That's the first game I tried. I'm like, oh, this steering wheel sucks. And I was like, what the heck? So then I was like, well, let me try without the steering wheel. And then I'm like, and I and I went through the um, career mode, which gives you an example of how to play. And I was like, oh, this game's awesome. It sucks <laughs> with the steering wheel. And it's not the steering wheel's fault, actually. <laughs> um. Also, though, setting up the steering wheel for me was a pain. Um, number one, I have to plug it into the back of my Switch that's in the Switch kiosk, so I had to like, open up the kiosk to plug it into the USB port. But that being said, I also was having trouble because um, it automatically syncs to certain games, but Redout has a different um, control scheme, so you have to like manually set it to the pedals. But also, I didn't realize it, so I was sitting there, and I'm like going on their website, how you set it up via the user manual is wrong. User manual for this Evo Retro 7-in-1 steering wheel, the manual is incorrect. You go to the website, it shows you exactly how to set it up. But also, I'm sitting there following it exactly like they're doing on the video. It's not working. Like, what the hell? The pedals are not working. Everything else is working. The actual controls, like it steers, and all the buttons work. Um... I looked in the back and I actually had the USB plugged into the controller one instead of the pedal one. Oh. <laughs> so that one was an issue. Once I did that, then I got to play right out with um without using the right pitch controls. And I kept dying, kept blowing up because obviously I couldn't steer correctly without coming to a grinding halt. And this is a fast paced anti-gravity racing game. This is literally a game that's exactly like Wipeout. Um, and so, like, old classic PlayStation Wipeout, which I loved. So, horrible game to test with this. Um, JP, did you end up playing uh, much Red Out? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually ended up playing just with the wheel, and I was having the same problem. I'm like, oh, I keep hitting the wall a lot, and I'm thinking <laughs> it's just maybe just the, the steering wheel. So, I guess I'll back up. First off, I, I was actually very surprised, because I was talking to you, Jeff, and you were like, yeah, you're going to have to go on YouTube, just saying. And I'm like, oh, my God, like... If you had to go on YouTube, I'm probably never going to get this thing to work. So I, I plug in the pedals to the steering wheel. I plug in the steering wheel to the dock. And immediately, like, I'm using the steering wheel to control in the home menu. All the buttons are responsive. I go into – I actually ended up doing um, Hot Shot Racing first. But I went into Redout afterwards, and it worked. I mean, I got in. Pedals are making me go. I'm pressing the button to, to go, and I'm turning the wheel and stuff. But I'm hitting the wall a lot. And I didn't realize why, because I, I don't ever do tutorials. I go right into, like, an arcade mode or just, like, a quick race. And mm. I'm thinking, like, okay, maybe I'll just try and, like, slow down a little bit and then turn the wheel. And there would be turns where I'm, you know, I'm nailing it, and then I'm just nailing the wall, and then I'm blowing up. So I I, I blew up a lot. Um, overall, I thought the game was was fun. I didn't think the wheel, now knowing about the strafing, yeah, the wheel is <laughs> obviously not ideal for this type of game. Nope. Um, and <laughs> And I, I won't go too much into the other one, but the other racing game, which is a more traditional arcade racing, to me, I I had no problem with it, except the, the problem I had with the wheel was the suction cups. I don't know if it was the table I was using, but the minute you start turning too much, one of the sides was picking up, 
So the wheel, the whole, the whole wheel is turning with me. And I'm like, okay, I, I keep holding like my hands down to try, try and like suction it again. And it would stay a little bit. But the minute I really start getting into the game, it's popping up again. And that, that kind of like took me away from it because otherwise I, I really liked the wheel. I thought it was responsive. I, I liked the vibration. The pedals seemed a little plasticky and, and cheap. They weren't, they didn't Seemed feel that. Like, yeah. Like I, I would be pressing down and I felt like I'm hearing cracks or like that kind of sound. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, I wasn't stopping down. Yeah, no. <laughs> but like, the, the wheel part I felt was, was, was well done. Like I really didn't have an issue with that. And it was fun using a wheel. Like, I mean, my setup is not ideal. I'm using a folding table. I'm getting a chair from the dining room and I'm sitting in front of my TV and I'm like, well, I'm not normally going to play like this, but to have the wheel kind of, you know, brought me back to the arcade feeling, except when the wheel just started moving with me. So that was my experience. But for me, it was literally plug in and play. It, it recognized it as like the first Joy-Con almost. And I was good yeah. to go. I didn't have to do any additional setup or programming or anything. So my my setup was was very smooth, Barry. And and so before Barry gets into his nightmare, mm -hmm. um, mine set up fine, but how I had mine, I didn't use a table. I actually had it just sitting in my lap. Mm. Um, and when I drive, I drive with one hand anyways. So I literally <laughs> held it with one hand and drove with the other, <laughs> and I just hit the gas. I didn't try to do work on the shifter, because there's a shifter knob on the steering wheel, yeah. um, or any of the buttons or anything. I just drove. Um, so I didn't worry about any of that So when I, when I played. Um, <laughs> I know... JP, you mentioned you played um, Hot Shot Racing, right? Yeah. Um, I also tested it with Mario Kart, and mm -hmm. it's not as accurate as playing with the controller, unfortunately, but I was mm -hmm. able to still do some of the power slides, so mm -hmm. there's that. But again, I'm playing with one hand, too, so I also didn't, you know, couldn't hit the, the power boost as easily because I'm playing with one hand. If I had to put it on a... If we, we if we created a whole contraption yes. to make it solid, <laughs> then we would be good. You know, arcade yeah, racing. I... You, you bring up a good point. The drifting for me, you know, when you drive in real life, you're not putting your left and right foot on top of the brake and, and the gas. So for me, trying to move like my, I, you know, I'm right hand, I'm using my right foot and trying to drift was just near impossible for me. Like I just, I couldn't get it. It didn't feel right. Maybe because I don't drift in real life. So I'm not used to it. But yeah, yeah that part like took me away because obviously you play with a controller and you can easily hit like the left trigger and then you can, you can drift like crazy. And with the steering wheel, it's definitely going to take a lot of getting used to, or just damn near impossible for me. So that that part, you know, was was hard. But do yeah. you know what the best game was with the steering wheel? Mm -mm. Horizon Chase Turbo. Mm. Oh my gosh! So all you got to do is hold the gas on that game, anyways. And That's the good. steering wheel was very receptive, and I was getting first place in races. Nice. Nice. Um, and still the same issue, like when we did the episode on it, where I had to like weave in and out of the, the yep. constantly hitting them and stuff. But it was the same as with the controller. So that one it registered perfectly, um, mm -hmm. and it was awesome. So that will that would be the game with this steering wheel. So you don't even have to worry about it. You just push your foot on the pedal and you steer, and it worked perfect with one hand driving too. So that was my favorite one. Um, but I want to hear Barry's awesome. <laughs> I was, was going to say, you notice how they kept talking and, and just putting putting me back. We're, we're hyping back. yours up. Because <laughs> we're hyping so, yours. You made a video. I mean, so, that's huge. So, so I like JP. I got a little table. Uh, it was a you know, little food table, food tray table. And uh, suction seemed okay. Though one of my suction cups was a little off. So like, like you, JP, it kept popping up on the one mm -hmm. side. 
got my chair. I had to, you know, sit kind of like in the middle of my living room because it is a shorter USB uh, cord from the wheel to the switch. So I'm like, all right, I have a new setup. Here we go. Got the pedals, which I also felt were the pedals were a little on the cheaper side for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have carpet, so it's, you know, just kind of moving around in the carpet. It's not totally flat, but I'm like, I'll okay. make it work. Let's let's go, you know. So I I get read out. I updated. I'm ready to go. I plug it in. I see a light pop on for for the like the first slot, and that's and according to the instructions. That's what it says. Plug it in. When the light goes solid, you're good. I'm like light solid, good. Why is it not doing anything? And it refused to do anything except for like the mode button like lit up and the like the custom button lit up and like that was it. Like nothing was working. So I tried plugging into the second USB port. That didn't work. I tried plugging it into the one in the back. Uh, that didn't work. I tried turning it on and off because I'm sure someone's saying that right now. Uh, mm-hmm. That didn't work. I, I watched a video and they said, oh, you need to plug in a controller into the controller plug slot. So I went and dug out the USB controller port, uh, cord that came with the switch, plugged that in. That still didn't work. However, the controller was charging via this connection, so I knew it had power. It just didn't work at all. Uh, like it just was not responsive. So I, I must have gotten the defective one because I couldn't test it. Uh, I mean, I can tell you it felt nice, you know, just holding mm-hmm. it in your hands and and turning it left and right and having this. You could actually like raise and lower the uh, the steering wheel, which I thought was kind of cool. But uh, as for playing any game at all, I couldn't test a single one because it just did not work at all for me, which is unfortunate. Um, that being said, I did play Red Out, and I very much enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Uh, yeah. I was going through the the season. Uh, some of it was kind of weird. Like it, it almost feels like you couldn't go back. It was like you know, if you don't hit retry or something, like it just moves on to the next race. There was like a contract I had assigned to try and get a power up, and I came in second place, so I failed it. But it was one of those time missions, so I had no idea what time I was shooting for. Um, I, th- I thought that was kind of weird too. With like, it's not you're not always racing against other people. Sometimes you're just racing the time, and like you need to get do this in under a minute, and you get gold, and a minute five, and you get silver. Yeah. And uh, like that was tough, especially because those that's usually how they introduced you to the course, and then they let you race against the other people. So yeah. when it's your first time on a course. It's really hard to get this really t- like I, I got a lot of silvers on those because I didn't know the course. And when you're crashing into the walls and you blow up and I'm like watching my health and trying to be more cautious. So that was kind of a little weird, but I'm sure if I knew the course, it would be fine. Uh, I did do an elimination match. I don't know if any of you wound up doing that in the story where like last place gets eliminated until it's you know eventually just you. Uh, I've seen those in other games, too. It's kind of interesting. Uh, in, a, in a fast racing thing, because that, that adds extra pressure because you can't like be in fourth place at the end of the first lap and still come back and win like in other races. You're gone. So you have to constantly be uh, doing well. But but once without that strafing, I, I was about to say this game sucks. Once I figured out about the strafing and they told me uh, I really like this game, uh, I do like the power-up system, which I noticed, Jeff, I don't think you messed around with. And the reason I say that is because I was checking the times after every race, and I noticed that your time was there, JP's was not. (laughs) So I was like, all right, I I know Jeff has raced this, and I know JP hasn't, and this was the first race. (laughs) 
So, so I was like, <laughs> where's your time, JP? You would be correct. <laughs> so, uh, 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 I, I started doing the power-ups. The power-ups are interesting because there's two different types of power-ups. You could have one of each equipped. And one is an active power-up, like Mario Kart, where you push, I think it's Y, to use it. And the other one is a passive power-up. And that was just I always I focused active. mine on health because I was dying so much. Yes, <laughs> I did. I did the power-up to have, like, more armor and then the repair, where I had, like, a repair drone. Yep. And it took yep. some of my boost to to heal myself and and that worked really well i was like wow this is this is a lot better now because i'm not blowing up and and i could play a little more carelessly because you know and use my boosts more frequently because uh i, I could just repair myself and i have better armor and when you get into those races where they take it away from you because there are some where it's like no you don't get anything in this race uh, you notice it as you crash and like oh my god i'm down a third of health already what the heck but yeah, I found it a lot of fun. Uh, definitely sounds like a nightmare game with the wheel, should my wheel, or had my wheel work. But with the controller, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, with the wheel, you're just crashing a lot. <laughs> one, one thing we didn't mention, the music I thought was excellent. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked it. You know, the few tracks. I even told you, Jeff, I was like, you need to play that moon level. The music to it was just amazing. And what's cool is the Nykalis, they had two uh, releases on their website. And one had a mini CD which yeah. I have no idea how to play that, so it's useless. But, you know, that, that one is like, oh, I, I would love a soundtrack for that. So the mini CD you have to use in one of the the CD players that has the little, like, repress it on the spindle thing mm-hmm. where you actually pressurize it in it versus <laughs> something like in my car where you feed it into it, you'll lose yep. that thing forever. You'll break it. Because, yep. <laughs> like, the mini CD will get lost and it'll get stuck. You could also um, use it with the drives where there's, like, a mini CD mm-hmm. insert. Like, yeah. You could do that, too. Yeah, I'm not going to go to that effort to listen, but it would be nice to have a normal CD <laughs> for this. <laughs> well, I thank, thank the Switch's case that we didn't get a normal CD. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when it comes to the um, the steering wheel, I would say from an evaluation standpoint that this is absolutely a introductory level steering wheel. It's a very affordable steering wheel. It's a beginner's steering wheel. If you want a super, really high quality one, you're gonna pay three, four hundred dollars for one. Um, for eighty bucks, this steering wheel is is decent. It needs some things to make it like truly spectacular, like you know, some actual suction cups or maybe some little um, like little brackets that come out, like little like plastic or metal brackets you can put around your legs or something. Even. Like, whatever, so that it can sit there and be more solid. Because um, otherwise, like, JP and I are going to start a woodworking class so we can build a big <laughs> contraption to freaking get our steering wheels. And then Barry will spend seven weeks doing that, and then the steering wheel won't work. Like, <laughs> I was going to really? say, I'd just be happy if it works. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Barry does woodworking for, like, two months straight, and then it doesn't work. <laughs> I'd be so I will say if you have kids, mine was contested and approved because even though it wasn't plugged in, you know, they saw it when they came downstairs in the morning and they just start playing with the pedals and they're playing with the wheel. Didn't break. Looks sturdy enough to handle a five and a half and a three and a half year old. So plus points for that. Good. That's awesome. And and the thing is, too, is that um, don't play it with a game that has unique controls like Red Out. However... Um, some of our traditional arcade racing games. Um, I am hoping that it works great with the new cruising game. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah. That is an arcade game, and 
So that would be a perfect test bed for this steering wheel. But you said Hotshot worked pretty good. Um, yeah. And Horizon Chase, I haven't even opened my Hotshot Racing yet, so I, I'll definitely try that out eventually. And then Horizon Chase is probably my favorite. They mm-hmm. show it with Mario Kart 8. Um, and I, it's not as responsive as Horizon Chase was for me. Mm-hmm. It's just not quite there. It is like I can do much better on a controller. Yeah. So. I, I think another one that would be really fun, because you're right, I think on the more traditional arcade, I, I definitely could see Cruising Blast performing well with it the other one that i would want to try and i I wish i did before i unhooked it was the virtual racing like the sega ages one because i think that one would be really fun to use a wheel for and 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 give you that arcade feel to it and that's that's what it is like the accessories to me are like novelties like oh they're fun like i wouldn't normally play my games with these but you know for like an evening to just have some racing games out there and just playing around with the wheel i i think those ones you're right like would work a lot better than ones that have more an intricate um, control scheme to it. Now we got to find, and this is what we'll do for, because um, we have a, a giveaway for mm-hmm. the, um, we have two. And I would say for the the second poll, um, my idea would be come up with a crazy game for us to all play the steering wheel with. Like, should we try it with Lonely Mountains Downhill? Like, should we try it with, <laughs> like, something dumb? That would be ridiculous to play with a steering wheel. Something that makes no sense at all. I mean, like Retro City Rampage would probably be pretty fun. Um, but like, what is a even a non-racing game that would make no sense to play a racing wheel with? That would be fun. But it has to like have some kind of go. Like, Show us playing robot name fight with the steering wheel. Exactly. <laughs> or uh, like Runner Three. <laughs> But you have to use the wheel. You can't just use, like, the directional buttons. We need to see you moving the wheel around to play. Exactly. And, <laughs> I mean, the, the, that only goes left and right. So that's the, that's right. the interesting thing. So something, there. Yep, that would be the challenge in finding a game that fits with that. Um, so the other thing that I noticed with Mario Kart 8 was is that I was always going forward. So it was, mm-hmm. like, I'd always gas. It was always going, so I would spin out at the beginning. Um, so I'm not sure if that was how mine was set up. Maybe my set to my daughter's profile, which had an auto go. I don't know. Or the steering wheel was messed up where it was pressing up all the mm-hmm. time. Because I did notice it when I was, I don't know if you got, if you noticed it, JP. Barry didn't because it didn't work. But um, <laughs> um, mine, when I was on the Switch menu, it was going up. In the games, it was fine. But it was going up in the Switch menu. Really? Mine might be broken too. <laughs> I would have been happy if mine did that. Mine, mine is that meme of like it's sitting there on the floor and I'm just poking it with a stick, go and do something. Yeah. But that being said, though, I think if you press up in Mario Kart Eight, it goes. Ah, uh, maybe. So I think mine might just be like stuck in an up position for the analog. However, they have it programmed. You I might don't get called doctor about that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Barry's perverted. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Barry needs to get his checked out for us. It's not working. Yeah, barely. Mine, mine's just busted. You busted. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing, though. So, like, in the end, though, for me, from my analysis, it's a good starter. A good starter wheel. Um, and I want to see what kind of crazy stuff. Like, maybe we got to play Mario Kart Super Rush or Mario Golf Super Rush with it. I don't know. <laughs> like, super Blood Hockey with the wheel. Um, That'd be fun. But, yeah, so the most creative recommendation gets the second steering wheel. 
Interesting. Sounds good. Well, we should give away that first one, though. Yeah. The first one just required the poll that Barry did. So, yeah, so the first one was went to Discord, where we asked everybody, what was your favorite racing game on the Switch? And uh, why? What, what, what makes it your favorite? What, uh, what is it? So we had quite a lot of good discussions, and we had a lot of entries into, uh, into this. Let's say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 Barry, people. We know you know how to 20. count. 20. No. Look at that. Well, I, Barry can count to 20. I can count to 20. Mommy, wow. <laughs> Uh, so we had 20 people that entered, which was, was great. And we had a lot of good discussion just about racing games in general. Um, some interesting picks. Uh, you know, of course, Mario Kart was thrown in there. Um, Hello Kitties. Uh, Cruiser has actually got there with a really cool reason, which I loved. Um, we had Garfield Racing was mentioned. Uh, Horizon, of course, was mentioned. It, like, just some great games, Burnout. Uh, so I love, I love getting the conversation going. So thank you for everybody who entered and participated. So uh, we even talked a little bit about Spy Hunter. If you remember that game, that game was great. Exactly. That song. Peter Gunn. Peter Gunn. So putting it through a number generated now and mm-hmm. got nine. And the ninth person on my list is Curious Pomegranate. Ah, Just, congratulations. congratulations. Nice. What was, what was Curious Pomegranate's um, quote? Uh, he, he picked Horizon Chase Turbo. Oh yes, and he liked it uh, uh, over Mario Kart, which he said it was a hard, hard to choose. However, if he could pick Rocket League, he would pick Rocket League over. Okay, good, good man. What woman? <laughs> I don't know, but good answer. Yeah, that's good. And the favorite game does work well with the Evo Retro steering wheel. So. So what we'll do to the curious of all pomegranates is we will, um, you know, we'll reach out. Um, soon Barry will probably just contact Curious Pomegranate on Discord with instructions on how. Um, typically, I think that we we got to, like, do some kind of purchase via Amazon or something, and then they reimburse or however they do it. I don't know. Um, we'll see how we work it, though. So that way you can get your free wheel. Yay. Congratulations. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. So so the next uh, one I think will be fun is the craziest ones. And it can be from listeners as well as uh, in the Discord. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the listeners do it is you record in, in Anchor. Um, you can record in Anchor your voice and you can talk about what your favorites are. Um, that gets you bonus entries um, versus it, or you can go in our Discord. Uh, good luck to everybody who uh, is going for that second wheel. Good Here. luck. You'll need it. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so um what are we doing for uh for next time uh we we really didn't pick anything but i, I have no idea we got we, a bunch of different games that we need to play and try out and i know we got a bunch of codes and things we did aqua kitty should we do the sequel no i think um <laughs> i want to do a different gamer genre we already covered well do you want to do we did get codes for turnip boy we did yeah let's do turnip boy we could do turnip okay. boy yeah turnip boy is it meets tax evasion or evades tax evasion evades tax evasion like it's evades twice yeah <laughs> weird um and that one is confirmed to getting a physical right 
I don't know yet. I think there's been rumors, but I haven't seen anything officially posted yet for it. So I thought it was because it's the same guys that did Blue Fire, right? No, the the digital publishers are the same, but the developers are different. Yeah, the digital publisher is the same, and I think they got a working because I know we reached out, and for Blue Fire was already taken, unfortunately, and I think Turnip Boy is with the same deal. Like I don't think it was taken or anything, but the question is, is should we? Make it physical. That's the question. Did get a physical? Because I thought maybe it already did get a physical. Nothing has been announced yet, so let us know if we should make this one a physical. I know Zelda style, so it's right up my alley, that's for sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. That means i got to pull myself away from her eye, or hyper, hyper, uh, light trigger. Damn it. Damn it. Um, Don't worry, I pull myself away too. Well, and my thing is, though, is I'm going to be at Classic Game Fest this weekend, so I'm not going to have a whole lot of time to play. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, unless, of course, I don't end up going out and doing a bunch of craziness, which maybe, who knows? Um, and maybe you'll go back to your hotel room and play Turnip Boy. Sorry, oh, guys. Hey, Turnip Boy. No time to party. Now, this this convention, I'm actually going to be at a hotel. I'm going to be staying with my buddy Ryan, who does pixel art paintings. Yeah. And... Uh, unbeknownst to both of you, he is doing a robot named Fight Piece for me, custom. Nice. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see and it. I traded a couple of double Switch games for it. <laughs> it's already paid for. It. It's awesome. It looks cool. It's um very simplistic though. That's how. It, it's the only way I can get it done reasonably. <laughs> reasonable amount of time. They think complex, but it's taken a while. Um, but he does awesome pixel art painting and things. So, should be fun. Um, yeah, so Turn Up Boy will be on the next episode. We'll, I'll talk about the craziness of Classic Game Fest. What else we got? We got anything else? I thought, JP, you said you had something for us. Did I? Oh, did. I do. Uh, I wanted, it's a collector question. So, Uh-oh. I don't know if you all recall, but last, I think it was last week, um, Picks and Love Publishing put up pre-orders for an uh, exclusive collector's edition and a deluxe edition for No More Heroes 3. Mm-hmm. So they're a French publisher. Their pre-orders go up at 11 a.m. They had a lot of issues with the website to the point where nobody could get on. And by the time people could, which was like 20, 30 minutes after, they were sold out. And one of the reasons is that people figured out what the URL was and had to kind of like back back way into the, into the specific page, even though the main website wasn't working. So a lot of people ended up not getting it so there was a lot of a lot of negative comments uh, you know towards this company on, on their posts and mm-hmm. it, it was bad like i felt bad i felt bad for a lot of people who were looking forward to it depending on what time zone you're in it's either really early in the morning um for us it was 11 a.m but then a few days after they go hey we heard your concerns we're putting up 500 more copies of both editions uh suda is gonna sign them again i think like initially like the first 500 were signed so he was going to do it again but essentially they're adding another 500 for both editions so it went mm-hmm. up today the deluxe did sell out pretty quickly when i checked the little like maybe 40 minutes after 11 a.m the 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 collector's edition was still available like the the lower tier one but it is? I'm, i didn't get it yet <laughs> <laughs> well i don't i don't know if it i you know i haven't checked since then but you can check. So, you know, it's exclusive to them. Um, but my question to you is, what are your thoughts about when a company says we have X amount, it sells out, and then they go, hey, we're adding more. Are you hmm. in favor? Are you against it? Do you not care? Um, I'll start I'll start with you, Barry. What are your thoughts? Um, 
I think it really depends on the situation. Uh, if they say there's a thousand of these and they sell out and then 30, you know, a couple days later or even a month later say, hey, guess what? We're going to make another thousand, even though we only told you we were just going to do a thousand. I think that's kind of bait and switch. You're, you're pretty much trying to capitalize on FOMO to get those sales and then just like, oh, I made money. Let me keep doing it. With a situation like this where there was clearly a problem with the website, people were frustrated. I see no problem with it because you absolutely want to make your customers happy. And when they're unable to even get onto your web page to buy the game, that's a problem on you. And you shouldn't punish your customers for that. So in a case like this, personally, I have no problem with it. I now, full disclosure, I did not purchase it the first time nor the second time. Um, I had no interest in it, so you know, it's not not like I really have a you know a, a horse in this race. Right. However, I, that's how I stand with it. Jeff, what about you? Um, so I'll do devil's advocate. Um, and for me, and coming from you know premium edition, where we're not making things limited for limited sake i would say um number one if there's the demand cool it sells out in the first day when people have trouble i agree with barry like no issues it goes it like we can do some more because it was sold out in the first day if we went up for an entire month then we put up an extra thousand that I do not, I would not agree with. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like so we did our month pre-order and we're like, oh, just kidding. We're gonna put up another thousand now. Uh, so it, and it sold out at the end or something. We're like, right. just kidding. We're gonna put up another thousand or now you can get slip. Like if we say something, like we gotta stick to, especially when you have a a, a month long pre open pre order type deal like mm-hmm. we did. Um, but like. A one day sellout with all that frustration. Like, why not offer more for people that so right. that way they can play it? Because my thing is, is like we're doing this because we want people to be able to play the creators games. Um, when it comes to No More Heroes Three, it's more of a collector's thing because it's going to be available by other uh, publishers mm-hmm. too. So it's not that, but they wanted that version. So why not? I mean, if people are frustrated, okay, go buy it elsewhere. <laughs> like, if you don't like it. Um, but there's obviously the demand. It's cool. And Suda's actually supporting it directly by signing them. So that's a cool little item. Like, to me, it's more personalized. I like it. Um, so, yeah, that's why I said I'll be a little devil's advocate. Because from, like, our perspective, like, that wouldn't be something we would do. Because we have a month open. Um yeah. But like if we say we're only doing a thousand retros and we sell out day one, and then and people were able to get it, mm, I don't I don't know about adding an extra thousand. I well I think in that case it would just be the demand. Like if we had a thousand retros, we sold out day one, and we literally have you know hundreds of people sending us emails or uh, social media saying, hey, we missed out, we want it, we want it. That would that would be something we would have to seriously consider at that point. Within the pre-order window, too. Within the yeah. pre-order, of course. Yeah. I'm talking like day two, getting all these people. Yeah, um, we w- and we would talk about it within the entire team just to see, like, okay. And because, again, we're not creating things to artificially make things rare. <laughs> like, we're doing it from a production standpoint because it costs so much. Like, we really aren't going to be doing more than a 1,000 of 
retros and a thousand of deluxes because with steelbooks we got to order two thousand. So right. if um, you, if you look at the whole market right now, the collectible market, uh, one thing is apparent is that there are a lot of botters and a lot of you know scalpers that are taking advantage of this. And you saw this with the Switch OLED uh, that sold out insanely fast. And some some websites didn't even register for people that it even went in stock. And and you know the majority of those people are buying it to resell. And you could see that on eBay right now. They're selling for 500 bucks. Uh, that, to me, is a problem. So if you say, I'm only going to do 500 of this, and they're instantly gone because botters are doing it to resell, you see them instantly listed on eBay. Um, making more only helps those that actually want to play get it and deters the scalpers from doing it, in which case then you get the legit people wanting to buy and play the game, which yeah. I think is a healthier situation. Well, here's a question. You just mentioned something, and I haven't looked into it. Our A-R-E, our O-U-R, Series 2 games on any of these sites right now because we have them unavailable. Oh, like, is there I, eBay, Amazon, anywhere? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I checked eBay. So, funny story, and it's a little tangent, but yeah. I was on eBay because I always like to look and see, like, to me, it's like when you're in a relationship and you make a Facebook official, that's when it's real. To me, I was like, when we're on eBay, that's when people legitimize us because they know they're getting the game and whatnot. But um, I, I, I was looking since day one of Super Blood Hockey, and, you know, and our games are up there now somebody's actually selling one with the patch. They earn the patch and then they're selling it with it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's odd. I, uh, but I didn't Can see, I didn't, I didn't see demons here a robot yet. I know a lot of times, you know, one of the rules is that if something's coming out after 30 days, they will stop it and you can't post. So it could be a mixture of that or, you know, or whatever the reason, but I have a feeling eventually we'll start seeing our games go up. If, if we sell out, you know, early on, I think you'll see them more quicker up on those sites. But right now, it's just su- some super blood hockey's and pigeon dev, but not an overabundance, which I think is also a good thing. That means people are keeping our games. So that's a plus. Yeah, I noticed that we were up on Amazon for our games that are in stock, and it's more money, which is weird. Like, yeah, like, exactly. There, but. there's somebody. Wow, they put up July 11th. They put up, uh, or it sold July 11th, uh, Super Blood Hockey, brand new, with the retro upgrade. It went for auction, and it, the winning bid was $48 with eight fifty shipping. So they actually got it for just under retail for <laughs> shipping. That's just bought it from us. Yeah. yeah. That's really weird. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I uh-huh. like people. Um, the <laughs> the thing is too is that like my goal is to be to create cool things. That's yep. always going to be it. I want to get creative. I want to see the Ericas of the world create the craziest steel books that we can possibly find. I'm gonna have fun with every manual, making them as retro with the aesthetics that the developer wants. I see the artwork of Paul Niemeyer doing weird and creative things with every slipcase, and then adding life to all these games. Um, that will be permanently preserved. Like that's that's awesome. Like we can keep doing this forever. Like it'll be amazing. You know, you you asked this question of us, JP, but you never gave us your answer. And no, I want, I want I mean, your answer. Me, yeah, to me personally, I understand where everybody's coming from. If you say it's limited normally, and then you add more afterwards, yeah, you know that kind of I think discredits you a little bit in terms of like you know what you're actually offering. In a situation like this where there really were prob- web- website problems, 
I personally don't see a problem. I mean, I'm not one to ever buy anything because it's going to be limited. I'll buy something in fear that it sells out, but not because, you know, only 100 copies of it were made. So, you know, it goes with our mentality that we want people to play our games. We want to make them available. So I personally had no problem with them doing it. I know I see people going like, well, what was the point of me pre-ordering it then? And it's like, well, hopefully because you wanted it. I mean, that's why you you spent money on it. Yeah. And I think the people who are buying it to resell it really, um, one, you know, those are the ones who get upset. But two, you know, there's, there's sealed collectors who are like, hi, I got this limited thing. It's in my collection and it's hard to get. And then all of a sudden there's, you know, 500 more on the market. Maybe it devalues it if they're ever thinking of reselling it. But at the end of the day, it's in your collection. I mean, you wanted it for that reason. It shouldn't be hopefully because there's only X amount made. So well, overall, all I, I got to say about rarity, JP, yeah. um, how many Super Mario Brothers 3 were created? A Millions. Lot. Yeah. And one just sold in mint condition for $1.5 million. No, that was Mario 64, brand new. Yeah. Mario 64 Mario. had yeah. just as many. So I get it, Barry. You're, you're Mr. <laughs> Smarty Pants. But that being said, Mario 3 sold for like $150,000 or something. And then Mario 64 sold for $1.5 million. And Zelda sold for $900,000 or something. Like insane. Yeah. Um, but anyways... Um, regardless, investors are in there. If the games are going to be worth something, they're going to be worth something. And it's the desire on top of it. So a desirable title will always be a desirable title. Exactly. Um, so, like, them making an extra thousand, like, to me, okay. Like, there's millions of Mario 64. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. And you, I mean, you even see it. I mean, even games that are limited in nature, you go on eBay, you go on other sites, you're not necessarily paying an arm and a leg if you really want it. There's going to always be those few in the batch that just just like rise in value, like Lovers in a Dangerous, what, Space Time, mm-hmm. I think it's called. I forget the, the official name, but from Super Rare. Like nobody thought that one was going to be the one that jumps up to buku dollars for for their collection and it, and it just happened and and then you see other games that sell out and you can get them pretty much at cost so a lot of it's a variable as well i mean yeah you know everyone always says you really shouldn't be collecting just to resell later on because there's no guarantee on anything um but yeah it's, it's been an interesting time definitely with all these like world record prices being sold now for games and just Kind of what's happening with the retro market. It's just uh, unprecedented times, it feels there, like. There's also a difference between rare yeah. and, and like, desirable. Yes. And what I mean by that is, like, Lovers is an expensive game, but it's not rare. There's this several thousand of them made. You can go on eBay and find copies. It's available. It That's is true, desirable, yeah. which is why it's expensive. Where there are some games out there that maybe only pop up CIB on eBay maybe once a month or once every other month. And if you find them, you could probably get them for 30 bucks. Well, why is that? That's a rare game. That rarely pops up, but nobody really knows about it. Thus, there's not a demand. Now, if you take, for example, um, the, the rarest game on the 3DS, which is legit rare, is the Barbie game, uh, Glam mm-hmm. and Pups. On the, uh, and that game was rare, but no one cared about it. It wasn't mm-hmm. until there was that video from the new Guinness World Record holder for most video games who pointed it out in his video that it's the rarest. And now suddenly people started taking notice. And mm-hmm. now people are interested in it. And it went from 60 to to $100 to now well over $1,000 wow. um, in brand new 
$500 for the cart because now it's on more people's radar. And that is a legit rare game. It is not available mm-hmm. many places. And the uh, so desire is starting in the collector's market. The high-end yep. collector's market started to outweigh the rarity because something like my boxed Keltron 6-in-1 is rarer than a Super Mario Bros. 3. But if I have a mint version of Super Mario Bros. 3 right now in this construct, it's going to sell for more. Um, but from a rarity perspective, like even from our games, like our retro box is going to be rarer to find mints because people are going to open it versus our slipcases or not slipcases but our, our clamshells um that being said we have slipcases and sleeves with all of ours so that's going to add a little bit of a, a rarity piece mm-hmm. uh because people are going to open it those are going to get bent damaged whatever the they're also sealed so there's all of those things to take into consideration from a collector's standpoint that mm-hmm. could add to a quote-unquote rarity. However, um, it really depends because if people sit there and collect them and put them away, they become less rare. They become mm-hmm. less... Um, but the desirability is the other piece where if we're doing some niche stuff um, versus a paramount first appearance of Mario and Super Mario Brothers hang tap, um, mm-hmm. that is a much different piece. If it's something that... So say Robot Named Fight turns into a whole franchise that gets a Netflix series. The -hmm. first appearance, that then becomes a paramount thing from a franchise. That changes everything. Um, Or like our our Camp Sunshine, Sunshine Manor gets picked up for a television show, which was (laughs) a thing at one point. If that happens uh, later even on AMC or something, like, boom, becomes crazy, right? Uh, because that becomes a first appearance and becomes something beyond what it is. Uh, it's the same thing with like Shantae on the Game Boy Color becoming a paramount of that franchise now. And then you know, Limited Run now has put it on Switch. And even on the Switch, though, that original game isn't the rarest one. You have Pirate's Curse. That becomes a, a more right. desirable one, which is weird, too, to me. But um, but that's a, a thing from a collector's standpoint, and Barry's right, though. It's a demand piece, too. Um, yep. The demand, and it all it takes is a damn YouTube video to bring some focus on something, and then all of a sudden, oh, we all need this Barbie game. That's the same thing yeah. happened with Hello Kitty Cruisers on the Wii yep. U. Exactly, yep. which came down and that's the reason it came to switch is because the developers thought like oh there's such a demand for our game let's bring it to switch and yeah. i found that hilarious uh there was really no demand for the game to play it it was just a demand for a full wii u set yeah um, but this well, and, and um, so the other piece from a collector's standpoint though barry is going to yes. be us the us's the limited print small batch print indie print whatever you want to call it companies um, I think we're using indie print in the Switch Collector series now for that because I created a, a series outlining it for uh, Volume Two. But um, think about it from an indie print perspective, that's a new construct with the PS4 and Vita, and now the Switch. So that changes the dynamic because, like, that could even be considered by collectors as a subset because it's yep. printed differently than your traditional in retail. But then you have a limited run who does both. So what counts? What goes? Um, I like your methodology. You and JP get them all. <laughs> Pokemon. 
Well, I think it all depends on a how, just how you collect. Like I've seen people go like I got the full Vita set minus limited run because it never hit retail, and that's their justification for not going for it because there's a lot of Vita limited run games, for example, when they get pretty pricey, and that's pretty fine. Cheap I like it. Yeah, I mean, it's it really depends <laughs> on how you want to collect, and and mm-hmm. and talking about the rarity, like I I like slip covers. Uh, it's just something I've always liked, just because I found them unique. And a lot of people didn't look at them, and people picked them up, they threw them away. So I found it harder to find them, but that became part of the thrill, you know, the thrill of the hunt. And yeah, and a lot of people don't even realize or know, and sometimes there's region-specific ones. Like, like Canada's got a few that just came out with, uh, like it was a special pre-order bonus, or, or a retailer in Canada got it. Um, and I find those kind of fun, and people don't care about them, like people don't talk about them. Uh, for example, and they're, they're hard to find. Like I just found one I was looking for, I looked to me over a year to find, uh, the game is Kim possible global Gemini. So, you know, an, an established it's franchise. Your, your favorite cartoon. Yeah. Your favorite cartoon. Not, I never, never really. Oh, favorite cartoon, JP. You heard it here. Maybe, first maybe JP's, but in Canada Seriously. on the DS yeah, that, that had a slipcover. But only for one retailer. It took me a year to finally find one with the slipcover, and and it was like fifteen bucks, ten bucks maybe. Uh, you know, because no one really looks at it and gives a shit. I was but, looking for it yet. Yeah. But but should people say, oh, you know what? Now I I want my copy complete. Uh, you know, I'm going for a full DS set. I want all the slipcovers to make them complete. Now suddenly people may go, oh, now I want it. Uh, otherwise people go like, I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't need that to be complete as long as it's got the, you know, the artwork and the manual and everything like that. I've actually started seeing collectors now asking for inserts, like, Hey, what particular inserts came with this game? Like what Nintendo power advertisements and stuff. And I'm like, that's like, if it has that for me, I'm, I'm fine with it. But if it doesn't, I'm okay as long as it has the manual. But that's where we're going down this rabbit hole. Oh, that's been like a long time going when it comes to the paper collectors. I know a bunch of them for the NES especially. I'm talking like been... systems now too. Or... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's going to be all the things. What I like though is that the Switch is a, a beast for me because I justify it is not the wild west but it's the rabbit hole that's never ending which is why we do all the things in the switch collector book series when we're doing the collector version of it because it's region free unlike a lot of systems it's right out of the box region free which means if you want a complete switch set you need all of the things um i like people that justify i can't read it so i can't enjoy it i'm not going to collect it from (laughs) japan i that's cool because i I only collect what I want to play anyways, so that's great. But now I'm to the point where I can justify with just the Switch, not necessarily anything else, but because I can play it, like the Ease 8 thing where we talked about it, where I got it, um, the UK version, for Mm -hmm. a reasonable price, where it's super expensive NTSC right now in ESRB. So I'm like, well, I'll get the copy that's... They both play the same. I'm cool with it. I can read the spine, um, and that's fine. And so I like that, though, that I can do that, and it still looks cool in my collection. The spines don't line up perfectly, so my OCD eventually will kick in, but that's when you upgrade um, in the future. Right now, I just wanted to play it, which I still need to get back to because there's too many games. I love it. Um, <laughs> but that's the, the rabbit hole of the Switch that I enjoy because NES, like, I can go for PAL variants, but I need a specific console to play that with specific TV to play that, right? 
versus NTSC. You need an adapter to play Famicom. Um, so it's not out of the box playable. So, like, it's not as, okay, so a set is this to play in my region. Switch is everywhere. It's worldwide. So, to me, all the things is the answer. Um, and then you further uh, specify based off of your own needs and all wants, mm-hmm. which is really fun to personalize. I mean, because I know you and you and uh, JP both collect a little differently for the Switch, too, yeah. which is fun. That's the fun part for me is that they're really, I mean, everybody's collection is so unique. No matter how, how someone tries to compare, there's always going to be a difference unless you're like a mirror and, and you're just buying the exact same things. But everybody is like, oh, you know, are you a completionist? It's like, yeah, to me, like how I'm collecting, I am a completionist. To somebody else, I'm missing a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, and it's the same for anybody worldwide. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that you know, may not even be on social media that's collecting every single region version of every game with all the different, you know, rating symbols for all I know. Maybe that's what they enjoy doing. I don't know why, but maybe they do. Um, maybe. I mean, there are variant collectors on the NES that get yeah. 20 different variants of Legend of Zelda because the original Legend of Zelda has a bunch of different variants, whether it's a R or a TM or whatever. There's a mm-hmm. million. Somebody's asked, too. Me, somebody's asked me to do variants in the complete NES. I was like, no. It's never ending. There's too many. But, I mean, to me, I could justify collecting region variants on the Switch if there was something inherently different on yeah. the game itself. Yeah. If it's the same exact game, then it's only cool if there's art differences, like significant art changes. So, like, mm-hmm. if we had a different artist that did Super Blood Hockey in the UK or something, mm-hmm. okay. That's a different art piece. That's a different cool factor. Um, but then you can just justify getting the insert. So now, this, <laughs> do you guys know what the very first different variant cover of a Switch game was between regions? Oh. Wait, you mean between like Japan, in Europe? Yeah, like between US and Europe, or between Japan. The first one with a variant cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Yes, it was, and that to me is like. I didn't think about it at the time because I wasn't collecting like that. But it goes back to the like the the round one games, like the Just Dance yeah. games for a few years were different covers between regions. I don't even have like the year the Peggy like Just Dance 2017, I think through 2019, and they were vastly different covers. And now that I like I'm a hardcore variant cover collector, I'm like, oh well, I have to get those at some point. So they're still missing. But I mean, it goes back to Breath of the Wild, which is insane. Which my copy irritates my ocd because i don't have the retail i have the one that comes in the special edition and the back is art which is cool but like i structured the back of switch collector volume one on breath of the wild and i don't even have that copy of the game like really like i mean that's that's that i mean it's it's a rabbit hole for collecting and then I, you know, even now and then, like for the most part, people know me. If they're following me, they know just the type of collector I am. So I don't get the question as much. But every now and then, I, I got like the other day, I said somebody asked me. They're like, "So do you ever feel bad for buying like shovelware games or the same game with different covers?" And my answer is always the same. I said, "No, I'm like, if I wasn't enjoying it, I wouldn't be doing it. So I don't feel bad about spending the money because I obviously know what I'm getting into. I'm not blind when I buy, you know." Um, my Little Pony, you know, part seven. I, it's like, I know what type of game I'm getting if I even play it. But I always find that funny. I'm like, 
I, and I tell people, I'm like, don't, don't collect, like, don't go full set. If you're going to have regrets and you're going to feel bad about buying garbage games, like that you're yeah. just the wrong type of person to be collecting at, at that point, just buy what you enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's always, I, it's always funny when I see people commenting either on my stuff or somebody else's and it's like, I know what I'm getting into. I, I know what game, what game it is. So, yeah, I mean, and, and JP, you do physicals. Um, I you do. do oh, yeah. You do your code in boxes, and the only code in box I have is Retromania Wrestling because uh, yep. you know supported the dev from day one. Yep. But like, um, the thing is, is technically those are all releases. They're not the same. They're not. Right. There's no game in them, but it's still supporting the developers in some way, shape, or form. So still a release and still went to retail in a lot of cases. So there is a good justification to make that part of a set. It's definitely a subset. Um, I don't want them at all. I also (laughs) don't do any doubles of anything. Um, Mm -hmm. I do. The only game I have a traditional double on was God Eater three. And that's Mm -hmm. because you have to have two copies of the game to play cooperatively together. Mm -hmm. And so my daughter and I wanted to play. Um, So that's the only reason why I got a second copy. Everything else, like I just sold or put up in one of the Switch groups on Facebook a bunch of my doubles because I accidentally got some doubles and got extra copies of stuff because I'm a dork. Um, and I yeah, don't collect shovelware unless my daughter wants to play it, like an LOL game or something. Yeah. Well, with shovelware, sometimes those games are just fun just to mess around with with friends. I was trolling. That was a great episode on the playcast. But with with like doubles and variants, especially you know you, you mentioned NES and stuff in Zelda. There's the other factor specifically with NES with variants with the screws, three screw versus five yep. screw variants. Um, yep. Like the rabbit hole goes deep down, is, and it depends on how much you want to do. Like for me personally. Do I keep those variants? Yes. Do I hunt them? No. But like, if if like I I just discovered there was a label variant that I had in my collection I didn't know because I was just uh, reworking my NAS stuff and I realized I had two Roger Clemens baseball and I was yeah. like, why do I have two? And I looked, I'm like, these labels are different. That means I must have got one in a lot somewhere, um, which happens sometimes when you buy lots. What was the That's- weirdest one? Was it Wayne Gretzky hockey has like four different label variants with with and without a helmet and they're all photoshopped looking yeah it's stupid but see like i i personally won't go out there and buy them unless i have the full set and i'm like well this is the last thing to do but if i get it in a lot in which case i already i bought the lot for other games and this just happened to be there i'll keep it in my collection it's like all right well it's a, that's a nice bonus but I try not to like go down and get them all because again that's just too deep of a rabbit hole. But I know people who who absolutely will. Uh, and and you go back to Atari. Uh, I have a friend who does a, Atari big time, and there's so many yes. different variants of every one of those carts. And, and it's like you have like a hundred of the same game, but they're all different labels put out by different people, different shapes, carts. It's it is even crazy. Atari itself put out like different versions of the same game like centipede with like text label and then they did an art label to me the picture labels are the coolest ones because you get to see artists art um it's not necessarily the rarest or the first or the most collectible but that's always my favorite for atari yep Mm -hmm. and again that's something i don't go buy them all but if i get an atari lot and they're like this one is the picture art and i had the text version i'll keep it but that's only if I get it in like in a lot or, or given to me kind of deal. I'm so happy I only collect Switch right now. <laughs> Forget, a- like, like it gives me anxiety thinking about all of those different systems because I have collections for them all. And I am very close to just lotting out 
like stuff like my Atari collection or my or Super Nintendo and other things and going straight to EverDrives just because like and then I could just focus on the Switch. Yep. A lot I, of room in my garage that I can make. Um and I focus on a couple things. Like Switch, I got a Red 10 arcade that'll stay a few things. Oh. So, I will that. say, you know, you're talking about labels. There's one that I came across completely by accident because I normally don't open my I don't know. I don't open every single Switch game I get, but this one, I was going to take a picture of it. It was a, a UK release that just came out, and I noticed that a little bit of the plastic was ripped. And all, and all I'm thinking is I take this picture, and everyone goes in and comments on the plastic. So I ripped it off, and when I opened it up, I realized that the label had a different name than the cover art. Yeah, and Yeah, so it's Farmers versus Zombies from Mindscape and Mark and Technic, which is literally like the LGN of the olden days. They, they even have like the rainbow over their their name. But what's interesting is on the back, it said Farmers versus Zombies. And in parentheses, it said Farm for Your Life. So for whatever reason, the Peggy cover still had the Farmers versus Zombies logo and cover and whatnot. And when you open it up, the, the cartridge label had the Farm for Your Life logo, which was vastly different. So to me, this is the only version I've seen. But there is an Asia English version coming out called Farm for Your Life, which I think is going to utilize you know the same logo. But... I, How I found did that Nintendo not catch that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, because I will tell would... you, with Robot Name Fight, they wouldn't even let me submit a different art piece for like a right piece of the Switch label because I had like a little transition piece that I thought looked kind of cool. They're like, no, we want you to use the same art piece consistently, mm-hmm. and I'm like, really? I can't even get creative with it. Like, yeah, I don't <laughs> like. Know. I would, I'm going to talk about that in the in the guide, by the way. But I was like, I was looking at it, and I'm like. I thought it flowed good. And they wouldn't even let me do that. And they let a title change go yeah. through. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's interesting that they actually had the, the other name in parentheses on the back in very small print. So unless you're really looking, because I thought I was like, oh, my gosh, did I get something weird? And then I started kind of researching it. And that's the fun part. It's like, oh, I learned a little bit something about this game that I honestly opened up by accident. Like, I wouldn't have never, I would never have known that the cartridge was different unless somebody else would have posted it but i found that very interesting and um to me it's just a cool piece now like not that it's rare i mean it's it's available on every uk site that's the only version out there <laughs> but it's shovely just, what might be shovely and wary i don't know yeah and to me it's might just be. like that's kind of fun and uh the switch has been like that it's been an interesting system i agree with you i've i've tried collecting like a few times now different consoles and i keep ending up selling whatever i'm buying for a few months because the switch just takes it over and it, for me it's the switch and it's the evercade and you're right i, I kind of want to just go for an everdrive for the other retros just so i have the games and just don't even consider ever collecting the physicals because it's just impossible at this point for me and i don't even know if i'm really fast on the everdrives nowadays because my switch backlog is infinite yep <laughs> yeah you, you <laughs> i was know, just looking at my backlog shelf and i'm like oh i actually changed out some of the games in my backlog <laughs> shelf because i played a few and I'm like, man. You, you know, we were talking about all these variants, and there's one particular one that uh, we didn't mention, <clears throat> and that is what what could be pat like considered patched carts or like uh, like USA and then USA dash one, you know, like revisions. And and sometimes you know games like SNK versus Capcom Card Battle uh, on the DS was shipped with a glitched bug that you could not finish the game and you had to mail them or contact them and they would mail you a card 
with the updated work, you know, patched version of it with a different label. Uh, and that, you know, do you collect both of them? One lets you play the game and finish it. The same thing happened with Hollow Knight uh, on the Switch. Yep. Where yep. they advertised all the DLC and all but one was on it, and they had to reissue the card with everything yeah. on it. You collect both of those or just one? So like, again, the rabbit hole uh-huh. just goes on. From, from, so that cool. started. That started at the NES, by the way. Oh yeah, I know. Super Mario uh, Three had different revisions. Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo had different revisions, yeah. and they never announced them and just released them. Yeah, well, a lot of times you can tell on the card, but it's usually USA, well, USA one. People like, didn't really know about it till ROM dumps that oh, they yeah. actually. Too. It's crazy. For, for Hollow Knight, though, what was smart is that they did change the back cover art, though. Yes. I mean, that was really the only way. Like, I remember I had to reference my my own tweets because I was like, which one do I have again? Because it wasn't clear unless, like, the image, I think, on the back, one was like an orange picture, one was a green picture. And that's kind of how they too. differentiated. But, I think yeah. when they talked about that, I didn't know. And I looked and I think I have the one without. I got the the white collector's edition. So you oh, yeah. probably, or I mean, you, if you bought it right when they came out, then it was the old one. Yeah. Because I think they 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 fixed well, it in their own. And so the the question is, is that from a completionist perspective, you'd want the one that's physically preserved on cart, but for a first print collector, you want that right. first run that right. doesn't have it because that's an error. So that's the thing that's fun is like, <laughs> I mean, like okay, there's not a right answer. Like you want first, you want the first version. There you go. You want the second version? Because there's also games that have patches that fix glitches or other things that would be cooler to have from a first run. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I, that's actually why I kept I think story. I'm kind of glad that I'm not in any collector circles where people are actively looking for revision carts. Because for the most part, they seem to be announced. Like, for instance, Dead Cells, they, yep. they did that uh, Prisoner one that they specifically stated this one has the stuff on the cartridge, so it's a new version. But I, I don't know anybody actively going to stores and looking on the back to see if like the cart code has changed, because that's kind of how you can tell when there's a new revision. And I kind of want to stay away from that, because to me, that's that's a dangerous game, my friend. And I don't think well, I want to play asked you, I asked you guys something last time I was at Best Buy, and I don't think either of you knew. But um, there are some copies of the South Park game, Cheap. Um, at Best Buy, like ten bucks or something. I was like, "Hey, do you know if this version that's there? Do they still have the stick of truth in there? The download, free downloadable code was the first release did. Um, and I don't know if they kept doing that. I don't think they do. I don't think they do now. They don't they do. And I didn't. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's why it's in my digital only section because it was released as a code inside the. Uh, fractured butthole game was what do you, the truth. What do you think about uh, situations like Spyro re, uh, Reunited Trilogy on the PS4, where there's only the first game was on the disc, even though it was a Blu-ray, and people gave them hell for it. So they reprint, silently reprinted the game with all three games on the disc, and they didn't change anything about the packaging. And the awesome. only way to know if you have the the disc with them all on it is to look at the copyright on the disc. It has to have a copyright of 2019. And there will be an insert, I think, for Crash Team Racing inside the, the case as well. That's the only difference. It still says internet download required on the case and everything. They didn't change the artwork. So the only way to know is either to you look it up to a light and see if that insert is there or to open it up and check the discs. 
and and you That's have amazing. to find one that says either back of the the back of the case still says copyright 2018, so you can't even look at the back of the co- the date or the back of the case for the copyright. And it's so stupid because it should have been that way from the beginning. There's no reason all three of them couldn't fit on a Blu-ray. Like they were just being cheap and they got called out for it. Ah, oh, so fun. <laughs> Lots of rabbit holes. Yeah, ridiculousness. I, I like that JP brought up a collector's rabbit hole. I keep brought up a collector's rabbit hole. Oh, I, I have another question, but I'm saving it for next time. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. we're going to be here for a little while longer. See, this is what happens when I come on. I, your last episode was like an hour long. Damn now it's JP. like seven hours long. <laughs> so, so, JP, what I want you to do is I want you to write down that question. Because I did. you might forgot. Never mind. No, forget, no, I wrote it down. Next time. Okay, good. Because I'm, I'm curious about the question, but you're right. We have been going for a while, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one, too. Okay, good. So you got to come right, next. got to tune in. You got to tune in next time to know what that question was. We got to fight. Figure out will JP be here next time. That's I think the next time JP's here. And next time JP's here, we will have that question. Now, there, there we go. That that's a fair way to say it. But then again, we're talking about Turnip Boy, and I know JP's already played Turnip Boy, so that's a good indicator that he could that's grace us with his presence. <laughs> <laughs> See, everybody, I say it even when JP's around, grace us with his presence. <laughs> Oh. It so should we uh, say where we could find everybody? In a hole in the ground, Barry. <laughs> in a hole in the ground? Where the green grass grew all around and around? My head in it. Hiding. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I guess I guess I'll start. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me at jpswitchmania.com for all your weekly releases and new pre-order posts that I put up every week. On Twitter, jpswitchmania, that's where I'm nearing i think sixty thousand tweets i do about 40 to 50 a day so if you like switch physical stuff definitely give me a follow just maybe turn off your notifications so you can actually you know concentrate on other stuff um if if you um if you're following premium edition games which you should be on twitter instagram facebook or youtube you know myself and frank are are managing those accounts uh so definitely chat with us there um and jeff you want to go next um, so you can find me on Facebook and the Twitter at Hagen's Alley, um, at Hagen's Alley Books on Instagram. I will be at Classic Game Fest this weekend. I am absolutely going to have a special item that I won't reveal. So if you can find me. Um, I had a special item last time as well. Um, so I always bring treats. And I will be revealing my uh, business card, which has some cool aesthetics to it. So the business card for premium edition that I right. just got in the mail. Um, so, yeah, that'll be a fun thing. And then, of course, I'll be working on Switch Collector. Volume 2 is still in editing. The editor is like, oh, it's going to take me a little bit longer. He thought he was going to get done with it in like a couple days. No, no, no. It's, it's, a, it's a big book. It's larger than find one so um so once he gets that back to me i will put it uh put it in all the edits and then i will submit it to print and it'll be about six weeks or so until we get them in to ship out to all the kickstarter backers so that's in route um punch out book is also in printing right now um volume one will be reprinted and mortal kombat's at kickstarter still um almost ridiculously oh my god um funded I think that it is uh, 414% funded, over $60,000 or something. Wow. Like, nice. like insane. I'm, I'm so happy that these guys who have been working on this book for six years are getting such support. 
Um, WB couldn't throw their clout and strength at us to keep us down because they were completely crazy with it. But um, really cool to see. Um, it's going to be awesome to get these uh, this book printed. Um, it's going to be about the same size as the more as the punch up book too. They're both huge. I don't know why these guys want to make these giant, huge art <laughs> books, but they're so expensive to make. Um, versus ours are standard. Ours are giant books too. Theirs are even bigger. I don't know. But anyways. Um, yeah, it's a little bit about uh, what's going on the book side, too. And then, of course, I'm working on a robot named Fights Strategy Guide, which that is my current priority. Nice. What about you, Bear? Awesome. Well, you could find me at Twitter at Hawk Hellfire. You could find me on Facebook and on YouTube at Nintendo Fuse. You could always find me at the Premium Edition Games Discord, where we like to chat about video games and uh, talk about racing games. So hopefully we see those uh, contest submissions uh, coming for the second wheel. And uh, you can always find me as well at the premium support. If you have any questions, send an email and I'll do my best to help out. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, one quick spoiler that JP and Barry don't know. Our cartridges are with Japan and Nintendo right now. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> what? <laughs> have a That's good one. That's the end of the episode. <laughs>